Warning, this show contains spoilers. Welcome to Spoilers, the podcast that celebrates the very best and the very worst in cinema. My name's Tristan. And my name's Sasha. Hello. Hello! How are you today, Sash? I'm I'm pretty good, thanks. Pretty good? Pretty good, not bad. I, um, I just finished watching today's Boston, Boston film. film choice. It took me so long. <laughs> you always leave it to the last minute. I though. do. I, as, soon, as soon as I know the films, yeah. I get it out of the way and watch it. So then I can spend my time watching films I want to watch. Oh, so actually, what? last few days I've been watching a lot of good films of love films. So I feel quite happy, ah. and I'm sad we have to go and talk about this bottom. <laughs> well, I reflected recently. <laughs> I was one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was so that we could watch, um, as well as bad films, good films. But the problem is most of the films <laughs> that people have like want to talk about. I've already seen <laughs> Jaws. Jaws was like, I've fucking seen Jaws a bunch of fucking <laughs> times. Taxi driver, I've seen fucking Taxi <laughs> Driver. Give me something different. Um, Maybe if we can't get enough interesting good stuff, we'll just have to force some lists ourselves. <laughs> we'll just make some we'll up. Just, are we going to do another... We, one of us is going to pretend to be a guest. Welcome to Jemima. Hello, Jemima. Hello! Hello, <laughs> Hello yes, I love... Oh, you two are so handsome! <laughs> Jemima, please, you're embarrassing us. <laughs> Speaking uh, of guests who find us uh, quite sexy, shall we bring on today's special guests? I think it's fair that he finds us pretty pretty sexy. Yeah, I do. You're both gorgeous. I mean, <laughs> one of you more than the other. Oh, I'm shit. Not say who. Oh, oh, that's like a typical see, man playing playing someone I'm off against... I'm one of you. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking at me as he said that, so... I... But, he, but he, <laughs> he wasn't touching my leg as he said it as well. So. Uh, yeah, apparently the thing to do, I saw a film and then a woman says, uh, the way to chat up two men at the same time is you say hi to the first one. But then you switch focus to the second one and talk to him whilst leaving a hand on the first guy's arm. Really? So then yeah, you balance them. If so... there's a third guy, you just cut him. You just cut him gently. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we should introduce you. Uh, this week's guest is Ben Williams, a director and filmmaker um, who recently directed his first uh, feature film. Now this is quite a big, uh, big thing for us. We've got a proper like We've got a real filmmaker, real filmmaker here. It was the the past. Stop it. It was called the past, and it was the opening film uh, for the BF. Flair Festival, am I correct in that? Yep. Which specialises in uh, LGBTQ... Yeah, uh, LGBT films, and it was its 30th year, so they wow. uh, rented out Odeon Leicester Square and gave it to us, basically, for the premiere of our oh. film. Yeah. Wow. And Odeon have given me nothing, except yeah, uh, except a, t- a stomach bug from a particularly bad set of nachos. But well, I yeah, I mean, and they, they were amazing <laughs> as well, and I, they left free chocolate on everyone's did you get did you wear like a tux and shit like that was it like no a... it was um, smart cash smart so... cash smasual yeah I went for tailored cash you know kind of <laughs> tailored cash I was thinking basically oh, Tristan's outfit all the time it's, ta- it's tailored wow, cash wow those of you who don't know me not only do I sound handsome but I look handsome as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> Taylor cash in my head gives me a mix of Taylor Swift and Johnny Cash oh no <laughs> yeah, do you know what yeah, no. worse than... wait does that mean Johnny Cash singing Taylor Swift songs or Taylor Swift singing I mean, Johnny I Cash. can't even begin to do an impression of Johnny Cash, but him singing Shrink It Off. Shrink It Off. I'd much rather see Just that. intoning that yeah. song. So, uh, Mr. Ben, are you excited to be here today on Spoilers? I am, yeah. And it's, yes! I That's have to 20 tell in a row! It's a unique pleasure to see it live. Uh, is it listened to all of them, yeah. Is it as glamorous as you expected? It's better. 
It's much better than I <laughs> expected. I thought you were going to do it in your pajamas, or we um, would... yeah, no. It's, we uh, are doing it in a kitchen though, which is consistent to, <laughs> to what I thought. With bolognese in the oven. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a bolognese cooking away. We feed all which our guests. Which is amazing. Here yeah. at spoilers. Yeah, no, I'm very pleased to be here, and it's great to see you guys as well because we're friends. We should. Yes, we all met at uni. Buddies. Yeah, well, I mean, friends are strong. But no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of you I like more than the other. <laughs> so you're oh, not the oh, only one who can neg. Is that oh, the word? Man. Yeah, that's from the game, apparently. That awful book. That oh, sorry, I thought, you meant the, I thought you meant the Michael Douglas film by oh, David yeah. Fincher. <laughs> yeah, when he says that to Sean Penn. You're negging me, Sean. <laughs> Don't use that film to pick up women. That would be awful. Um, but will, it, he, will he call, won't he call, is he in some deadly game? <laughs> and now am I waking up not remembering anything? Well? That's a terrible consequence of it. Um, but no, uh, yeah, we met at university, didn't we? And, yes, for um, transparency's sake. Because we were like the BBC, we had to be transparent. About yeah. Since Sasha took all our funds and spent them on hookers and ho- and drugs, it was my birthday. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> come on, lighten up, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> so, um, should we get down to it? Let's have a yeah. look at your list. So, well, um, how is how is putting well, your list together? It was really hard, yeah. really really hard. I, I went on um, a holiday, which I, I call it a holiday because I very rarely do go on. Holidays. Was this the first one in a long time? Yeah. Um, and I decided that that would be the time to figure out the list. It's funny how serious pe- people get about that. Yeah, like I, I, mean, I, I literally just blitzed mine I, out I, I in an afternoon. On, yeah. First ten films that came into my head. I the did. bottom was tricky, yeah. but the top ten. That I just, is always the case with you, Sasha. Sure was tricky with me. Yeah, man. I, I almost <laughs> wish I could redo my top ten and like just put a bit more thought into it, more personal. I just yeah. Well, I mean, um, if, well, firstly, I'm. I should say I don't know every film ever. And there are huge swathes of cinema that I have very little awareness of. Mm-hmm. Like, did you ever play that game um, Age of Empires, like on on the PC? So oh, when well, they've got the they've you, got the mist over yeah, certain parts and you have of the to planet. explore the map. And the bits that you've explored, you have this sort of like column of um, legible land, but the rest of it's mist. And that's pretty much a nice way to think about. <laughs> so there's just huge swathes of mist. Huge swathes of mist. But you go with what you like. French New Wave. But you go with what you like. Like, I mean, yeah, you're not exactly. a film historian. And, and you're a filmmaker and a film fan. Yeah, and I didn't study film, and I uh, my my family aren't particularly arty or filmy, so everything I did when I was a teenager in the, you know, those crucial sort of porous teenage years right. when you're discovering what you like I did without any money and on my own like watching BBC Two late on a Saturday night that kind of thing which was glorious but as a consequence I was very much self-guided yeah. and an autodidact if you will yes exactly yeah um, a so a bit of Latin for your kids out there <laughs> <laughs> we're nothing but hip on <laughs> really or as the lads would say frigidus <laughs> <laughs> be frigid eye because there's be there's plural. Anyway, <laughs> I, as a side note, I'm just going to let your tangents go just because and jump on if I can because as we've discovered, I'm not very good at improv. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just like I'll chime in if I can, but I don't want to yeah, write. I don't want to yeah. like right hook them and then That's... stop them dead. Um, but um, yeah, so so my lists ended up being the number ones from. Other top ten lists. Yes, you, you, you yes. Other, other people have done that. Yeah, and as a consequence, I missed out things from that ten that 
I've called my notable nine, which I'll skate through very quickly. Is that like the one sequel sentence. to The Hateful Eight? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because <laughs> that really like... doesn't need to happen. I can tell <laughs> I've heard it six hours, and it's filmed in 130 millimeter. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in a phone box as well. Yeah, in, you know. <laughs> it's eight and a half inches to film. They have to build a new machine for it. <laughs> it's just Samuel L. Jackson for ten days going, Motherfucker! <laughs> and other things we cannot say on a podcast. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, ooh, I won't get started on that film. Um, but uh, well, let's start okay, from the top. So, let's, so leave, yeah. your, leave your, 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 your. Shall I leave my notable nine out? So my top ten then, uh, in no order whatsoever, and yeah. it will become apparent which one we're going to talk about because I mentioned it last. Um, so we have United ninety three, great film, which topped my thriller slash documentaries list mm. because it's both. But really, that was in the thriller list. Yeah, um, yeah. it's. Have you both seen it? I, yeah, I thought the way that it. it dealt with a very sensitive subject with such mm. even though it's an, it is an exciting thrilling film you're mm. right it is a thriller more than a documentary film but it it, it isn't sort of um, what's the word it, it doesn't feel like a car, like you're watching something for the sake of the goriness of it it feels very like yeah. honest to the people you don't feel like you're rubbernecking that's a word, terrible tragedy yeah. but i mean it doesn't feel exploitative it's it is hugely impactful and sort of oh, quite grueling film to watch but also totally unflinching. And I think it manages to be respectful, but also a really decent piece of cinema. Mm. And then technically, the way in which it was made just is just staggering. They, a lot of people don't realise that people were playing themselves. There were, you know, the, the air traffic controllers, the military first responders, yeah, the people yeah. in the aircraft are, just are, are the actual people. Oh, really? Who he got to come back, and he got these, he being... Uh, Paul, Paul Greengrass got these amazing performances out of them, and he came from the documentary, didn't he? Originally? Yes, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, and his breakout was an ITV, I think, drama called Bloody Sunday. Yeah, and off that he got the Second Born film, and I think United ninety three was his second film after that. Wow, um, I might be wrong there. I'm probably am wrong. I'm well, wrong Paul, if you're stuff. listening, please. Yeah, I do apologise. <laughs> but that that it's it's just it's a film that I keep returning to. Try as I might, sort of move on from it, just because for. a but the way it's constructed as a thriller, there's so much to learn. Um, the way it's constructed as a kind of piece of history as mm. well, because it's got the survivors and the actual people in it. It's really fascinating. And then technically as well, it's just very impressive the way it's put together. And it's a British film as well, which, yeah. I mean, is a bit trite to say, but it kind of does count for something. Um, What's next? Rashomon, um, which one of the prevailing sort of motives for things going on the list were whether or not they made me emotional, which sounds yeah. really odd, but... You're quite a cold, emotionless robot. Yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I consider that, like, probably the most important thing that you can... Or, not important, but the most impressive thing you can do... If it film. moves you. Yeah, as yeah. if it moves you, because a lot of the films that are on here did that, yeah. and... Um, it's an odd one, Rashomon. I like, I like Akira Kurosawa a lot, mm. but it was... Um, yeah, I, I've not seen very many of his films. And oh, you've got to watch The Seven I, Samurai. It's yeah, absolutely I've got banging. it in its wrapping, not watched it. It's, and I've watched it three times and it's still brilliant every time. Mm, and I, I haven't seen... But uh, Rashomon's a really interesting and quite an influential one as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the, as a touch point for the Spielberg and Lucas sort of generation, it yeah. was hugely influential. But what I love, and I, get in, I got in trouble for this when I studied history, sort of assuming that people in the past didn't know certain things is when you watch a classic film like The 39 Steps, which is also on my film, and it's not boring, it's really funny, yeah. it doesn't stick around, and it's emotionally moving. Yeah. So the, the final sort of act of Rashomon, when you find out exactly what happened, 
and it's spoken with such emotion and oh it's just brilliant um it's great you're frowning it's no 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 it's concentrated thing. no no i know no, no from over there i thought i'd got the title wrong um <laughs> it's actually pronounced um, <laughs> just all vowels yeah it does latin japanese everything it's incredible um then there's there will be blood which i understand you've spoken about a lot you, want, before, you did want to talk really about that. I really wanted to talk about it as my principal film, but I haven't watched it um, in preparation. But the reason I love it is, you know, from a filmmaking point of view, it's just superb. The way that it... A lot of films on this list also come from that kind of tipping point where we stopped making films on celluloid yeah. and started, you know, digital started creeping in. And I think that's good. Is that on, but, is that on digital? No, that's on celluloid. No, that, that's like hardcore Old physical schools. filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. And you Paul Thomas it. Anderson's a big believer in that. He, he thinks yeah. it's a real shame if you lose that magic of light pouring through film. You feel um, like everything he does like is celluloid. Yeah. Like film is like a physical experience. Like. Yeah, exactly. And I, but the, the concept, the, the impact that that has on the way that you make the film as well, means that you know, of course, you can correct a lot of stuff afterwards, but you have to approach the whole process much more carefully yeah. and plan it much more thoroughly. Whereas you shoot on digital, you can make day look night. You can, you know, chop everything up and completely have control over your image yeah. afterwards. But that just felt, you know, it's real. You're not seeing any CG at all. Yeah, it's a real um, burning oil. Yeah, the, the sort of the Derek burning and tip, tipping over they did for real. There's that famous story that it disturbed the Coen brothers with the... Did you hear this? Um, yeah. well, they, they were do. filming in the next desert over or something. <laughs> they, were <doing laughs> no, they were doing no country for all, man. I love yeah. the idea that they're competing computer. across each other. Yeah, yeah. And then the that year, bit. what a fucking year for film. No country for all, man, and there will be blood. It was mm. that for me. Was Wally. Oh, I fucking love that film. Me and you and Andy. Wally Daniel. just went on my list. I've just put it on my list on the way over here. On really? my way to all nine, yeah. Look, Wally again well, is. Hang on. We'll okay, we'll get that's that. the number okay. nine. Let's stick so to the, the second. There will be blood. I, 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 I just want to say very exciting news. I read apparently Paul Thomas Anderson's next film is with Daniel Day Lewis. Okay, now I'm. I have I don't lost. Don't want to get our, our hopes I up. am almost about to lose, fall out of love with Paul Thomas Anderson because I, I think There Will Be Blood might <clears> be my favourite film. <clears> but he's also done one of the worst films I've ever seen. Which was Inherent Vice. I think that's. I think that's. Hate it. That's a grower. I think is probably. Yeah, it was. And the master, which is really boring. I mean, mm -hmm. really punishingly tedious. But again, there's there's a lot to like in the master as well. Um, that's that sort of climactic speech by Philip Seymour. Where Hoffman he basically does exactly the same thing that he did in um, There Will Be Blood, and then which this Josh Brolin also does when he they just you get a strong uh, strong alpha actor to do a weird speech at the end of the film <laughs> he's done it in all I mean, three I don't think it's films. as simple as that but it's no that, it is, it is I mean, that that's simple I've studied, I like I've studied all the films very <laughs> damn it <laughs> nails me again on knowing all the films um, so yeah and then the second reason that I, I responded so well to it was that do you know when you just feel like you get a film so mm. entirely like it has the most sort of legible subtext and I want to talk a bit about symbolism a bit as we go on but there's wonderful sort of quite low-key symbolism through it not in there's no like sort of runes buried in the image or anything yeah. like that but it's more he goes from this primal man chipping away in a cave to fully evolved man living in uh, an a enormous mansion, mansion yeah. a bit like 2001 yeah, he's a exactly. big Kubrick fan yeah, yeah Paul Thomas I hadn't thought about and, that actually it strikes like the evolution of man not necessarily yeah, exactly. in a good way and then you've got this kind of um, these uh, opposing fates of a man who treats religion like a business versus a man who treats business like a religion yeah. and the way that the two of them come to blows and you just I just watched it and I, I felt rightly or wrongly that I, I can 
completely see what you're doing here, and cool. that's very, very satisfying. What's next? The 39 Steps, the Hitchcock version. Right. I've not seen the one made in the 70s. Yeah. But that, again, just such a romp. It's really entertaining, and also, and I get in trouble for this, I've said already, it's so old, but so good. No, and I get so that. entertaining. But when when that, you that watch you... old films, I, I think there's a lot of old movies that don't know how to end. Mm. Like they suddenly get to a big climax and they have a climax and then it just stops. Yeah. And the credits roll and it goes da and credits used to be really short, weren't they? It was mm. like ten was, seconds. Yeah, most of them were in the and opening. Then, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then you kind of went, What? And you, you had no sort of wind no denouement to wind down. Oh, but I quite like that. But I think it's bad. I, not bad, but I think it's uh, it's people learning how to tell stories through this medium. It's sort of all that's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because back maybe that's another reason why I think it's impressive because the rules didn't exist then. <coughs> you're making so, it a lot. So, of so yeah, for for someone to say no, your story should be really lean. It should be really quick. There should be no frame wasted, and you should have a very compacted shape to the emotional sort of um, lines you take. That back then would have just been one of a hundred competing theories of how to treat. But uh, yeah, and also very kind of like Western way of telling storytelling. I mean, like different cultures have different storytelling styles mm-hmm. that are different, like much more direct or less direct. Or like it's interesting that is. Yeah, I think I write for theatre, not so much for screen. But screen, there's a lot of rules about how you have to write, which there aren't in theatre because theatre evolved mm. over thousands of years, where the rules were all very different. So Greek mm-hmm. theatre is different from Greek tragedy is different from that. Whereas cinemas become quite prescriptive, but they were at that point they didn't have the rules yet, as you said. They were sort of yeah. I mean, them. I was trying to shoehorn in a Powell Pressburger film, but I didn't really find one that do love a bit that of worked. And they still have that sense of figuring it out. There's yeah. this movie called, which isn't on the list, one of our aircraft is missing where basically a bunch of airmen crash in Holland and get back, like, really easily. And they never lose their chipper, stiff upper lip kind of thing. But then it ends. But then they go, oh, we thought you'd like to see what happened to the rest of them. Like, directly addressing the audience through the titles. And then there's this really odd coda. And it definitely felt like they were just kind of sorting the way that they thought about films out. But anyway. What's next? Jurassic Park. Um, obviously Jurassic Park. it's not the first time that's been on a top <laughs> no. list and <laughs> Rachel Quinney had it and it's it a... is not a guilty pleasure I have to say oh it's, I, do, I wouldn't it's, say it's, 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 it's not, a great film it's not on there for sentimental reasons no. I mean yeah of course I was right in its crosshairs when it came out uh, as a target audience young teenager yeah um, but I've got this sort of burning dissatisfaction at the moment that people don't know how to do suspense properly yeah yeah and the last sort of landmark suspense movie I think that I can think of and again you know there's lots of areas on the map that are completely <laughs> blank um, was Jurassic Park and really that far back yeah I can't think of anything that's we're talking suspense not horror yeah because I mean there is elements of a horror film about Jurassic Park obviously. yeah but you know like think about how you felt when you saw them landing on the island in like the opening 20 minutes that feeling of like oh shit this is a really bad idea that's suspense and it just goes from bad to worse. And then also you have the very sort of snappy, almost horror suspense scenes when they're in the kitchen, you know, the kids in the kitchen. Yeah, together. Yeah. No one's doing that anymore. Compare it to Jurassic World to see how much we've decayed. Well, I've not seen Jurassic World. Though. Yeah, I mean, it has all the same... But also, that's, that's also difficult because Jurassic Park, although it was made by a big studio with a big director, it was the first. Jurassic World has... Three film. It's a franchise yes, now. Like but it's got to follow a rule. I, yeah, a rule of diminishing returns. I mean, but my my point is that it. The reason they're interesting comparison pieces to see what's happened in terms of the way people make movies is that Jurassic World 
all of the setups are the same, but they chicken out of all of the suspense. Like they just so there's a whole sequence in Jurassic World where two kids get trapped behind enemy lines. Should we say? Yeah. Is it fighting soldier dinosaurs? Nazis and dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) Hitler's batshit. And he's got a Tyrannosaurus Rex. (laughs) Damn it! Um, And they get rescued really quickly. And you think that was all of Jurassic Park in that sort of was that um, yeah I, I, in, in I, the peril that the kids are subjected I, to I agree because like with Star Wars The Force Awakens mm. like I mean everyone said oh it's basically a remake of um, A New Wars. Hope yeah yeah but I kind of had the same feeling watching that I saw that and Jurassic World both at the cinema and I came out of both of them going yeah that was more entertaining than I expected but they're quite forgettable. They yeah. don't have the magic of like when I was a little kid and I first saw A New Hope or yeah. when I went to the cinema and saw Jurassic mm. Park and like I was just in awe yeah. of I mean, that I, film. I don't know what the reasons are but it just seems like that we're not willing to 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 go there anymore. I um, think that should be your next project. You need to do something suspenseful. Yeah. Here's £10.50. Yeah, please. Brilliant. That's all I need to do. Being a funder. What's next? I mean, another just quick thing about Jurassic Park is that it coincides with a couple of other things on here. That uh, I read a really interesting variety kind of hatchet job on Spielberg recently. You know, he's lost it, and they called him a '90s maximalist, which, (laughs) which is a phrase I've never heard before. But um, using as much as possible. Well, like if you think of his best films, they're all about big setup, huge emotional payoff. And we're not doing that anymore. And it used to be the prevailing thought was because it's tacky and cheesy. But actually, as time wears on, it's becoming more apparent that it's really fucking hard. Yeah. Can I swear on this? Sorry. Of uh, course. Really, yeah, yeah, you can swear. Really fudging hard. And, no, um, no, don't. But I, I think... Swear I, like a proper cunt. If you're going to swear, <laughs> swear. I, I think it's also... I mean, this could be a, an entirely different podcast now. But, like, um, I watch a lot of kids' films. Recent ones, like Zootopia and stuff. And yeah, I thought yeah. Zootopia was really good. Yeah, it's smart. But the humour is very... It's all very ironic. Like there was a time where humour used to be a bit more witty, and now like you watch Frozen, and it's um, they have jokes like, oh, "Well, that just happened." Yeah, like, that's not even really a joke, is no, it? That's just what it's, people say. So I, I, it's I low hanging fruit. I think it's just well, my my theory is that it's hard, and it doesn't survive the, the studio sort of testing process. So either they make it and they get removed, or people just don't write them because they know it won't survive. But there's there's this. Maximalism, I think, is something that we sorely lack. Anyway, uh, Elephant, which is... A Gus Van Sant. No. Uh, a 1989... Alan Clark. Alan Clark experimental yeah. film, which is a really odd thing to put in top ten because it only lasts like 40 minutes, and it was a BBC thing that Danny Boyle produced mm-hmm. um, back in this kind of Wild West era where people were getting money to make films left, right, and centre that you got people like Paul Greengrass emerging from, Danny Boyle emerging from, when, you know there were training schemes at places like ITV and BBC that bred all of these directors. But it's a 40-minute film that has no dialogue. You go from scene to scene. You don't know anything about what's going to happen other than you follow a man who walks into a location and then he shoots two or three or one or more people dead. And then it cuts to the next new stranger who you follow around. Set in Belfast, it's about... I think... I'm not sure if they're based on fact, but it's just this barrage of assassinations that just goes on and on and on no music all you hear is sort of like that 70s style um foleyed on footsteps on concrete yeah, yeah. people click, running clack, away click, yeah clack, click yeah and you know there's there's ingenuity in how the different assassinations happen but it's just death after death after death and you kind of watch it and you go through the whole sort of spectrum of emotions of thinking this is really cool 
this is really sad, and then you start thinking inwardly, what's my response to all this violence going to be? Yeah. And it's really, really smart. And I, it's on there because it's so brave, and I think um, we wouldn't be able to make that these days, especially 40 minutes. That's not a film or a TV thing. Or yeah, yeah. It's um, really strange. We'll come, we'll come to that later on with regards to length of films, oh, yeah. with regards to your bottom choice, but let's do it for a moment. <laughs> right, so what's next? Uh, oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which is there because it's um, from the Coen's top ten list, but it's also one of my absolute favourite films. Great film. Um, Great soundtrack. Like, I think everyone owns that soundtrack. Yeah, and it's a grow it's like up. like the Emily well. soundtrack. Which right. is sitting right fucking there. Well, yeah. <laughs> is it on top of the Oh Brother, it's Where Art Thou? <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be. I think it might be. Um, yeah, for the soundtrack, for um, Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, being on sort of top form. It's the first film that was graded all the way through. The colours were corrected from yeah. end to end. Um, it's just endlessly watchable, and it's just so gentle. Yet it goes to a couple of KKK rallies. Yeah. It dabbles with racism, um, and just the one-liners. Damn right, a tight spot. Yeah, <laughs> my hair. I love how George can yeah, this way because that's how I feel about my hair. Like, every dapper time, Dan. every time I wake up. But just if I could buy Dapper Dan, I fucking would. Yeah, you can only get fop round here. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's um, just so many one-liners. You guys are done within a bag of hammers. I love nothing's ever bested that for me. And just to think that they they thought it up yeah. out of nothing. Apparently, not having read the Odyssey. Um, uh, next one's the Tarkovsky Solaris, not the George Clooney one. Oh, which, I've seen that. Is it? Which is a film I've only seen once on a Criterion Collection Blu-ray, mm. and I almost fell asleep. But it still is probably the scariest film I think I've watched. Really? And it's really strange for someone to say that, but there's a sequence in it. You know, it's sh- like it looks shit. <laughs> it looks like, <laughs> it looks really. It looks really like tacky. It looks like, like like Star Trek, like yeah. sort of wobbly sets. Yeah, it's like bad Doctor Who yeah. kind of thing. But the thinking behind it. I mean, no, I'm going to row back from that. It doesn't look shit, but there there is a kind of flimsiness to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it again. It's another film that just affected me out of nowhere. It's and interesting you say about falling asleep because I really like A Razorhead by David Lynch mm. even though I fell asleep several times throughout that movie because I think a film like Solaris or A Razorhead that dreamy quality about it like mm. when you, you don't know if you're watching a film or if you're dreaming mm-hmm. actually adds to the film to the experience of yeah. it. like A Razorhead is completely narrativeless and plotless and it's sort mm. of weird and nightmarish and actually half falling in and out of sleep of it is the perfect way to watch it because you, it's really visceral then. yeah I yeah. imagine it's the same with Tarkovsky, with um, Solaris. I'm going to really regret this, but one of those films I've never watched all the way through because I've always fallen asleep is With Nail and I. Um, oh, which is, come I know, on. I know, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm what sorry. is with you people we invite on this show who don't like With Nail and I? No, I do. I'm sure it's a great film, but every the, the context is always the same. Last time I watched it was at a wedding at two in the morning and someone wedding. stuck it on and I was like, yeah, I should really watch this at last. And then uh, asleep, it's, it's two, two in the morning, morning and you've exactly. been drinking. And it's happened every time. Um, Solaris as well, recently um, there's this film called Bitter Lake that was directed by um, Adam, Adam and Curtis. Curtis, which is on iPlayer constantly. Yeah. And that uh, draws an interesting sort of parallel between what happens in uh, Solaris with what happens in, well, what has happened in the Middle East. And it's a wonderful sort of companion piece to it, strangely, okay. that actually retroactively explained a lot of what I didn't understand of Solaris. Um, good, double, so, good double bill. Yeah, which is, which is a, a very odd double bill. You're going to hate this, but Knocked Up is in my top ten as well, <laughs> um, which 
I'm sorry, but it's there. Nothing you can do about it. You know what? Someone after because obviously we featured that on an episode, and I said it was highly offensive, and I can't remember who, but someone said to me that I was wrong, and that the film wasn't sexist against women because actually the the male characters are as reprehensible or as, as stupid. And I had to think about that for a while, and and I've reached a point where I'm like, that's just saying two wrongs make a right. <laughs> Which it doesn't. Like the men are horrible, but oh, Seth Rogen grows because oh, you read the book about pregnancy, <laughs> and and, and the, the women and the women are you know shrews or whatever. But it's okay because they're hormonal because they're pregnant. I'm like, no, this is they're just awful people. it's so pure. Every word I used to describe it, I can't use because like I mean, forty year old virgin is puerile, but I think that's a genuinely good, good little heart, movie. I think. I yeah, I think there's something to it. Was Knocked a... Up was a wasted opportunity for me, and it's far, far but, too long. But no, you it's, like great. It. it's great. But you like <laughs> it. You like it because... Because I... Yeah, I mean, I take all your points that there are things wrong with it, and I don't think it's going to age well. But, but you just what, love it. What I love about it is that it's an ensemble comedy, which is quite, quite rare. Um, it has really, really moving, dramatic moments... It has that kind of. It does. The um, <laughs> Ivan. Ru- you can't for listeners. Tristan pulled a face and yeah. suggested that I disagree, Benjamin. <laughs> I think that face even made a noise. It was like mask. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a moment where um, uh, his father and he are having lunch, and he tells him that he's the love of his life, and it just floats by so quickly. But it's beautifully observed and wonderfully played, and I really, really. Think it's brilliant, and then there's a. Um, you should watch it again because you like. It gets lost in the sort of banter of the improv, but it's such a wonderful sort of concept for a scene. Um, and then, you know, because the implication was that Seth Rogen's character was also a mistake, and they didn't know what yeah. was going to happen, but he's turned out really well and all that stuff. Um, and then the scene where he tells her that he's on board, you know, where he yeah. finds Catherine Heigl, and that's like really great. Um, and it has a kind of warmth to it that is quite rare and yeah I'm sure it's got that kind of Judd Apatow kind of laziness slovenliness no, no I was going to say um, fattiness <laughs> chauvinism actually yeah yeah which yeah. Uh, but you know uh, uh, when it came out one of the the main sort of compliments it was given was that he knows how to write women apparently and that mm. it's I mean I there's mean, a couple of there's, there's like the bit where like they're, they're rejected from they're not allowed to go in a club because mm. they're too old or something and then or they one shout pregnant and, and, all that stuff. and like you know so they, they that's confronting maybe a real issue but I don't think that necessarily means you write well for women yeah but also what it's done is left British comedies with something to do as well we don't really have British cinema comedy, really. We don't have film comedy movies, like low-budget things like Knocked Up, although I'm sure it wasn't low-budget by British standards. That you know, We've kind of stopped at the in-betweeners, I yeah. guess, and haven't really found anything that has that kind of chemistry or energy or heart. And that's why I find it quite, quite a kind of... I was going to say seminal, but I don't want to get hit. Um, no, it's, it's interesting. Why it's in your top I, mean, I, I, yeah. I, I, I agree, like, it touches... It's kind of one of the things about your bottom film that we're going to talk about later. There are moments in Knocked Up where I'm like, ah, interesting. Mm. And that's why I ended up putting it on my bottom list. Was I was so frustrated that what, for me, is a really, really terrible film, but could mm. have been really good. It could have been really... Yeah, you know, 
Yeah, but well, I, I, I mean, I, I think, think it is. Think it is. Um, and then the, the one that we're going to talk about is a Spanish film by Pedro Almodovar called Talk to Her, or Hable con Ella. Can oh, you say yeah. it properly? Hable con Ella. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Which, um, <laughs> we were talking earlier about the, the sort of poorest teenage years, you know, where yeah, you, yeah. You, where what you yeah. We'd have been 18 when that came out. I remember formed. seeing it. No, yeah, 17. I was, I was 17, yeah. I, it was seven, I was 17 or 18 when it came out, and that had an effect on me as well. I remember seeing that one and being like, don't know what's happening. It was one of those films where you go like, We'll talk, we'll talk about it. Let's, well, say, yeah, let's okay. save it. Where, where it comes from... For, oh, do, do we we'll, go through all the No, bottom? no, we go through the bottom now as well. So okay. Let's save that. Woo! So bottom. now the bottom list. Let's uh, hear it. Let's go for it. The Matrix sequels, just all of them together as they're, one. They're fucking... Um, popular one. Yeah. On the they're, show, everyone they're, I've never seen them, I'm proud to say. Uh, they're basically, they didn't need to be made and the Wachowskis didn't need to make them or want to make them, I think. And they went, you can... Uh, do you think they didn't want to make them? I don't think they originally really wanted to make them. I think Interesting. They, I think they did it so they could do other stuff. But they really? are... They're quite, dreadful. They're quite. They're, there's nothing redeemable about them. Some good action sequences, but generally it's a bit shit. Oh, um, in good company, which I don't think anyone's ever What's seen. In good company, that was raining on holiday a couple of years ago in the hotel room, and this was on. <laughs> this is the like, kind of the. It's like you go home to the wife and you go, "Honey, to sit the down. What? To I'm, the I'm drunk. <laughs> I was drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. She meant nothing. It That's what this, this is. What I'm getting from you, Ben. But it's got a stellar cast. I think it's got like. Um, is this with Topher Grace? Topher Grace, yes. Who's Topher Grace? And he falls in love with he... his boss's daughter, but it's so. Oh, rubbish. with um, uh, I ran, uh, Dennis Quaid. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> I've and not Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, you like? Yeah. She, everyone's here, and it's um... <laughs> like today's bottom film choice. We're talking about. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I, I do vaguely. For some it's reason, it's stuck with my mind. It's a bit rubbish. Yeah, I mean, the problem that I had drawing up this bottom ten just briefly was that I don't think that I can really talk, having like made a film and finding out how hard how fucking hard it is. That like you know, it's like trying to you know throw a grain of sand through a needle across the room. Yeah. That that's how hard it is to get right. Otherwise, everybody would be getting Some, it. Right. I, someone um, who, John actually said this to me a while back. John, who came on a few episodes back. Hello, John. Hi, John. Uh, if you're listening. Uh, and he said that like he, ha- he has a respect for anyone who makes a film. Yeah. Because and, like, even if it's fucking terrible, it's so hard to get made. So, so and that's like why I can't put films that were well-intentioned but just missed. Yeah. The, the crimes that I think that, that get you a place on my bottom ten are... A wasted opportunity, as in, there's clearly nobody has any awareness of how um, privileged you have to be to make a film. Yeah, yeah. Or it's just boring, <laughs> and I think that's that is a crime that you yeah. could that you can be punished for going on the bottom ten for. And that's why the lady in the water's on there because that's. The oh, place. that is a fucking um, abysmal movie. And a fish called Wonder. Uh, oh, what? I mean, Sasha, you're li- all polemic. And uh, Sa- Sasha's just gone silent and is I, looking at Ben with such. I should say, fish <laughs> called Wonder. Oh my god, there's two of yours on his bottom, aren't there? Yeah, I know oh. well, that one. I'm... I haven't, I haven't um, watched a fish called Wonder in years, but it's just terrible. No, it's um, terrible. It's great. It's hilarious, and it's so well written. Okay, well, it's okay, funny well as look, fuck. I, I, will, I found this so hard that I, there are a few fillers, and I will admit <laughs> that Fish Called Wonder was probably one of them. AI artificial intelligence, both boring and like the most uh, bloated. I, I rewatched it recently. I know what you mean. I don't think it's as, it, it has about four endings. It does a Lord of the Rings. Like, well, you know, the, the famous thing about that was that Kubrick, Kubrick started wanted it, to make it and passed away. Spielberg took over, which you can see, like there are these. It, 
just like discordant, clangy scenes. There's this awful scene where there's um, a really ghoulish robot torture party mm, um, mm. sort of arena where they smash up robots yeah. who are sentient and um, it's grim and dark and oily yet there's a little blonde girl with a teddy bear somehow there that Teddy is the, the other robot that hangs around with him he's that's got his it. best friend but, Teddy but why is this Aryan white chick girl there in this grim you sort of see, really think that's dark. like Spielberg and yeah, Kubrick. Yeah, sort of retrieval by Spielberg, snatching it from it becoming too dark. And ugh, it he just, does that like, a lot. Even Schindler's List, where it's like it's the Holocaust. We get it. This is dark. But then we have to have the little girl in the red coat. So we will go. Oh no, not the little girl. Like he, yeah, he yeah. does. He's there's, a sentimentalist. That's a yeah. signifier, I think, isn't it? Um, so there's that. Get Hard, Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. I mean, they're just there for the money. It's a terrible movie. And um, it's, it, there's, there's also like this kind of postmodern American racism to it that I still find quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, uh, Lady in the Water. Okay, so The Past is my film. And the so, reason so that's on there why is, is your the film, film you've directed. Because when you sent this list along, I was like, Ben, this is your film. <laughs> you don't have to put it on your top ten, but yeah, on I mean, your I'm bottom gonna... ten is an act of lunacy. I'm, I'm going to put. I'm getting a bit of trouble. I wanted to plug it, so I couldn't obviously put it in the top ten films. <laughs> so that's why it's in the bottom ten. <laughs> <laughs> We've been had. Oh, fuck you, Ben Williams. Oh. What, a, what, what a self-effacing you know, the way thing to talk is, about The it, funny dude. thing is, it is actually in my bottom ten. Oh, really? Really? No, I'm kidding. Thank I'm kidding. you very much. I really want to say, when's it coming out? Like, it's coming out, well, uh, released by Lionsgate in uh, the current plan, although it's subject to change, is December. Amazing. Art House theatrical release. Um, we're having a screening for individual sort of cinema proprietors yeah, yeah. Uh, this week. Cool, so man. I don't know how many, but... Uh, yeah, go and see the past in December or later. Um, it's not. It won't. It won't be on your bottom ten list. Um, then we've got uh, separate lies, which we're going to talk. We're about. going to talk about yeah. special correspondence, which is the new Netflix Ricky Gervais movie, which is just John like, Hamm and no, no, Eric, Banner. Eric Banner. Eric Ricky Banner. Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Washington as well who I love and um, oh what's her name I've forgotten her name already forget about it um, it's just awful like absolutely like Ricky Gervais is nothing I think without Stephen Merchant I completely um, yeah, agree I, it's been obvious I since, since Extras yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong I think that he Stephen Merchant has a has a grounding mm. effect on I think Ricky Gervais I mean, The Office and Extras, I think, are phenomenal. I think he's yeah. an, I really admire him as a person, but he has failed to kind of do that. And I think that's because, as you said, Stephen yeah, Merchant he, is, he's, he's... I find Stephen... When you see them together in interviews, Stephen Merchant's the one who makes me laugh. But he's got, that, yeah. he's, he's got the job, which <laughs> someone explained about you and I. I chat <laughs> shit loudly, and then you throw in a funny bon mot. And that's Stephen Merchant's role. Oh, oh, I'm Stephen Merchant. Lovely double. Does that mean yeah, you're so nothing without me? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you <laughs> it means that I'm fucking wealthy. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, uh, we, we, we all gathered round the telly at Easter to watch it. and <laughs> Instead of it. a passion play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we watched that. My dad absolutely loved it. And I was sitting there going, this is terrible. There's two racist Mexican characters in it who... Are just what you mean in the way they're portrayed? Yeah, they're, and written, they are dumb Mexicans 
who like struggle in a sub Manuel kind of style with English and it's like you can see pretty much from the opening titles where the drama is going to go. Yeah, yeah. You know, with his attempt, like he thinks that pathos is his ticket to another Golden Globe or something, and so he just grinds out these really awkwardly, glaringly obvious setups. You know, and all the characters say exactly what they feel all the time, yeah. and. It's a, a, an enormous wasted opportunity because I'm sure they paid millions and millions of dollars for it. And when, he can do, and I've not seen. I mean, I'm not seeing, so I can't judge. But he can do amazing stuff. Like The Office is incredible. The yeah, I mean that that, that that sort of pivotal speech in Extras when he's in the Big Brother house is amazing. Well, was, was stunning, but it's just. I, it, he, here's the thing: he tries to second guess you by playing up that arrogant persona, but I think that you need to hold firm and say actually he does think he's the shit. Yeah even though he sort of undermines it and... Um, he takes the piss, but he genuinely piss. believes it, I think, in some Yeah, ways. but I, it's impossible to prove because he's taking the piss, but I pretty think I, I think he thinks he's the shit. I mean, I think both the Christmas specials of The Office and Extras were a bit... Unne- There's funny stuff in there, but I... I, I don't watch the Office Christmas special anymore. If I watch it, I finish with series two because I just love that it does... Off the top of my head, the only other one I know that does it is Blackadder. That it's been hilarious all the way through and then it just ends with something so emotionally... Really so oh, my it. God. Um, but, yeah, that's Ricky Gervais for you. What's, what's next? Let's talk about Calvary, shall we? Now... Breathe. Breathe. And <laughs> I, I, no, I, I really want to see how you're going to defend this because I, I think Calvary's an extreme. Calvary is a work of art as far as I'm concerned. Can I admit that this is a joke that's gone a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> you, you literally just done this to piss me off. It's mischief, I'm sorry. Then we won again! Oh my days, bro! As I remember when you and me were in Edinburgh and you said you'd listened to the episode where we talked about it and like you said, oh yeah, it was really interesting what you said. So then when it was on your list, I was like, you fucker, you I, complete bust. I think, I mean, it. it's not great, but... There's a kind of barefaced simplicity to it that I think is wrapped up in this quite stylish-looking, low-budget, talky mood film. But it's not bad. It's not terrible. I would be really fucking pleased if I made it. Um, yeah, I, I think I think our original um, sort of spark came when I said that it to me it felt too much just like a script. Yeah, and. It, it doesn't. It has really. a. Th- he has it a could be. It could be a play yeah. quite easily, or a radio piece. Definitely, because it's yeah, more, just a bunch of duologues. Just in- interviews. Yeah, it's just yeah. basically interviews, and uh, uh, the, the the central character doesn't really ever get challenged. I think. Um, mm, well, and we're going to have to put this in a podcast actually, yeah. because we are. Like, <laughs> we, you two are basically going to murder. No, but, but no, I, no, I, no, I think I, it's, it's a very. Decent film, and I put that on there just to wind you up. You are story. you are a cheeky gentleman, cheeky because I found it so hard to put stuff on here. Yeah, and even true. Separate Lies has some redeeming qualities, but it's oh, um, like a couple of the films on my bottom, like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I was like, actually, it is for what it is a decent film. It just mm. has a couple of moments where I'm like, you have completely undermined yeah. yourself. Is it is it the end of your list? No, um, no. official roller get up, Lady in the Water, Separate Lies, The Pass. Cinema in December. <laughs> and, <laughs> fucking and, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, okay. so, let's, so let's, talk to her. Let's jump straight in with. Talk to her. Abre con ella. Abre con ella. By Pedro Almadova. Pedro. Oh <laughs> no, it's simply 
a film de Almodovar. Un film de Almodovar. If you're going to do this in Spanish, I might as well leave now. No, no, no I couldn't possibly. Um, Pero si, I queremos, si quieres, podemos hablar en español y continuamos con esto. O, o no. Oh, with this little, um, I mean, it just sounds like you're going, I mean, I am. I'm just making it up. I'm just making it up. We could continue like that, but he wouldn't. I'll dub it in after. So, so what's the premise so, of uh, Talk to Her? Uh, talk to her is, um, you know, it's not a particularly uh, celebrated Armand of our film. It did win the Oscar for Best Screenplay. Yeah. But um, it's about two men who have women in their lives who are in comas. And there's a whole sort of swirling storm of backstory around them. But the, 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 the core of the film is you've got two very lonely men who have two women who are incapacitated and they have to deal with it. And... That's it in its most basic form. What it is, more substantially, is this very complex, dense film that's so impressive because it does so many weird and bonkers things but remains tonally consistent, tonally consistent, all the way through and has had an enormous effect on me. It's maximalist, I think. There's overblown emotions in it. Um, it's beautifully made. It's... I have to admit, not my number one film, but it's just stayed with me ever since I saw it. And, I mean, I got into Almodovar when I was learning Spanish for A-level. And, uh, you know, porous youth, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and our teacher was a huge fan of his, Joan Tobin, Miss Tobin. Hi, Miss Tobin. Hello, Miss Tobin. Um, she was absolutely... Ben brilliant. done good. And, <laughs> he, did, he did good. Well, you know, because of... Because of her, I watched all of his films. And yeah. He's made a lot of films. And what my sort of opinion on his his work is that he started in the 70s, I think, mm. making really kind of camp, amped up Spanish films about fringe characters from minority communities. Like, he's himself gay. And there's, uh, you know, Mujeres al Borde en Taque de Nervios. Did you get that one? Uh, women on the verge of a nervous breakdown, um, <laughs> which which was kind it of sounded like, to me like you were going. Habada, 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 but yeah, so he had this kind of age which peaked with that. I think the kind of tacones lejanos, um, you know, about impressive zany Spanish women who were strong and fiery and all those cliches, and then he kind of. Um, grew into this late 90s maturity with films like um, uh, All About My Mother. I um, found that one less... Uh, which, everyone sort of says that's his kind of... Yeah, that was my gateway drug. I watched that one first, and it's so Spanish, so moving, um, and so interestingly structured. Mm. Um, and it's then was followed, I think, immediately by Talk To Her. That was the follow-up to it. Yeah. And then after that, he... Most people would agree he peaked with Volver, which won the Oscar for Best Foreign That's Film. That's a great With film. Penelope Cruz, which is less zany, less accomplished, I think. Um, this, uh, my favourite is The Skin I Live In. I absolutely adore The Skin I Yeah, he had this kind of quite commercial mm. patch in the 80s as well, where he made a really impressive... The no, Skin I Live In is 2000s. Is it? Oh, yeah, sorry, I thought you meant Carne Tremula, which is... Um, Life Flesh. Life Flesh. Um, yeah, and a skin I live in... based on a Ruth Rendell novel, I think. Yes. Yeah. Very bizarre. El, el Ruth Rendell. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> La, la Rendell. <laughs> Actually, it's a double L, so I mean, yeah. Ruth <laughs> um, But she, yeah, I, basically, when other kids were getting into, like, 
Incubus and Blink-182 back at high school. I was getting into Pedro Almodovar. Really weird, really strange, but he's really informed the way I judge films dramatically. I can see that as the, a, the, the teenage like, appeal, because they're sort of they're like... dramatic, but and I think big, and... I, I've always thought this, like, I think... Spanish films particularly are really good at drama because I think Spanish people are much more sort of just in touch with their mm. emotions and this is a huge stereotype but I think stereotypes do come from a truth like British films are much more subsumed mm. and you know we do things like Merchant Ivory films because that is closer to a British mentality of don't talk mm. whereas that whole thing the stereotype of Spaniards being very fiery and whatever yeah. there's a truth to it because I think they just access their drama much more yeah. easily yeah. as people yeah like, no, exactly and you know the, the women are very sort of I mean, I guess it's simplistic to say that they're powerful, but that all the stories hinge around women with Almodovar. Mm. And you can tell that he spent, he grew up being on the sort of feminine side of things. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. But add to that, that he's a masterful, and I mean it really, like he's a masterful filmmaker. His he's use absolutely of, brilliant. And and for, for me, the thing that really stuck out with Abelic is talk to her, is, is the music. But the music is... Yeah. There's Alberto Iglesias, yeah, he. Um, his, I think it was for his second film with him as composer. Yeah. But um, the the song, you know, his oh. use of songs. So he says a song called Paloma. Yeah, cuckoo, cuckoo. That's it. Yeah, yeah. and it's um, he he has this thing about just letting songs play out in their entirety, performed live. So he does it in the skin I live in. Yeah. he does it in Volver. Mm. He does it in this, and he just he's obsessed with music. And he just, well, there's there's this kind of space in his films for these little diversions. Mm. And talk to her has an amazing... Well, actually, before we get on to that, the, that scene where they're performing that song, it's in the garden of this Spanish villa with the crickets chirping, and you cut to it with this slow-motion shot of someone swimming underwater. It's just sublime. It's absolutely lovely. And you've got the dance sequences of Pina Bausch. I never thought yeah. about it, actually. You've got these, like, he doesn't mind going... But interestingly about that scene as well, the camera moves across people in the crowd and they're all characters from a previous Almodovar film. Really? Which is brilliant. I yeah. didn't know that. It's, uh, and it like drifts across the two women from um, women the All About My, my, all oh, about my, my Mother. mother yeah. And you know, he's known for putting using the same actresses and actors yeah. and things like that. But that was a particular kind of heavenly, sublime moment where you get the feeling that he's going, oh, those guys were all right in the end, these guys were all right in the end. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lovely bit for the... So what's the other diverting moment? This is the uh, so, so the main character Benigno is a weird outcast loner who is a palliative care nurse, basically for women in coma, well for people in comas. And he learned all of his skills by caring for his mum for twenty years. He didn't have a teenage life, and he's odd. He's like a oddball. And the, the the female nurses who work with him think that he's gay, so they all confide in him in that quite homophobic way, that, that reductive way that a lot of people. Um, in he's also sort films. of quite asexual as well. Isn't yeah, but he, but the thing is, he's not gay. And no. He's got an obsession with a girl who he first sees out the window of his mother's apartment in a dance studio across the road called Alicia, and he, in a really creepy sort of Hitchcockian way, follows her back to her house. Realizes that her dad works from home as a psychiatrist. Gets himself an appointment as a psychiatrist as an excuse to go sniff around her room while she's in the shower. It's so tense, and she comes out and finds him in there and he says don't worry I'm not a threat and walks off but then she has an accident and he becomes her nurse and undresses her and washes her and t- cares for her for I think it's seven four years, years four years oh, yeah. but she was also so deeply creepy but she was obs- one bit she, it, she reveals that she loves silent movies so, so yes, he, on the he, way, uh, they have one conversation that forms the basis for the next four years worth of care where she says yeah. I like travel I like silent movies and I like dance and so he then becomes an expert in dance and silent movies. And one of the silent movies 
he goes to see has a huge effect on him because it's about and they made this silent film with the old cameras and it's with everyone's made up in that silent movie way but it's about a woman who's a scientist and her husband she's always arguing with him and she invents a potion to help people lose weight but what it does is it actually makes you grow smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller so um her husband drinks it grows smaller and smaller goes to live with his mum so he isn't um around her while he shrinks to death or whatever but the wife realizes that she loves him goes to pick him up and then they go to a hotel <laughs> have you seen it sasha and Disp- yeah, yeah i have yeah, seen sorry. it <laughs> and, and, sasha, sasha's kind of going yeah then yeah. what then what yeah and um there's this amazing sequence bang in the middle of the film about a miniature man getting inside a woman's vagina and it's like I saw that when I was in cinema when it was a school trip and I just absolutely went absolutely brilliant I don't know what's happening <laughs> yeah. he like gets in and sort of like the, the model, gets in and then the steps enormous, out and then rubs in all the juices like his lotion the enormous model like, of the vagina must have been an art director's dream yeah. or nightmare to make what was that what was that Pedro yeah, yeah. I've got to make a what how a, big a, a walk-in vagina <laughs> yeah okay do reckon, fine yeah. do you reckon he uses that as a walk-in wardrobe now <laughs> do you reckon that's where he keeps like his... the Dali sofa made yeah exactly. front, front door front door <laughs> front door that's what I'd use it come into my house uh, so what's the back door like <laughs> <laughs> As you'd expect, probably. <laughs> but it's, I, I mean... Lads, lads, lads. I mean, it's, it's not like... It, it clearly looks fake, and I think deliberately so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's, it's a silent movie within this film, and it's completely in keeping. And then you can't... Yeah, back. but it's, it's because of what it's suggesting is actually going on, right? Yeah, it's about, you know, um, wanting to be inside someone forever, which then immediately, when you cut back from that, you go to a scene, although you don't see it, where he rapes this woman in a coma and she ends up becoming pregnant and he gets fired from his job and goes to prison and the baby doesn't survive but it's a horror like that is horror to me imagine being in a coma being treated the, the by thing someone is as well you also have been obsessing over it also does the very clever thing of you like Benigno because he's a nice guy he's yeah. funny he's charming he's caring but he's also a rapist and he's also an obsessive. He's a, he's a 30 year old virgin, isn't he? It's yeah. A, he hasn't. But so he's. Yeah, he's, he's never. I think there, so is a tragic, com- there is a tragic element to him that makes you. And so, talking about pathos with Ricky Gervais earlier, mm. like that film is so complex because you go, he's a terrible person for what he's done, but you don't excuse him what he's done, but you, you understand, understand the reasons of how he got there. Like, yeah. Doesn't, like, yeah, it's, it's it's very, definitely I mean, doesn't excuse him. It's very forgiving. Yeah, and I think like non-judgmental in many respects. Like, I, should, yeah, I don't think it's forgiving. It's just like it, it just presents you with the facts and you. Yeah, I mean, I have to justify why I think that's probably one of the best films. Uh, it, it, again, it's a very hugely subjective, personal thing that it, it really impacted on me. That the, the score in particular is brilliant. Um, the way it's made and shot and constructed is in this sort of golden moment that happened right at the end of what I think was Celluloid's basically useful life, where films were made with such precision and artistry. And they're made with precision and artistry now, but it was a particular type of celluloid-led mm. kind of gorgeousness. And it's so beautifully made, and that was a huge kind of benchmark for me, that everything that is a film has to look like that or better. And also, talking about symbolism, there's, re- there's shitloads of symbolism in our model art films, from the really basic use of red and blue mm-hmm. which which you know people always say this and it sounds like a kind of conspiracy theory but he sticks to it sad people wear blue happy or people in love wear red and it's even on the cover um, 
Sure, I got the, of the DVD. I got of the, the DVD. Next to me. Um, and yeah. all the way through, if someone's having a happy moment, they're wearing red. If they're in prison, they're wearing blue. There's and an amazing there's just little things like that that don't need to exist. There's but. an amazing shot where he goes to visit uh, Marco goes to visit Benigno in prison, mm-hmm. and you see them. Uh, the way the camera is angled, you can see Benigno's face reflected onto Marco's own face, mm-hmm. as if the two of them have become. Yeah, uh, one person. It's a really. I, I totally missed it. And my teacher, who took us, did you notice that? I went, no. Then I. I'd, yeah, they sort of. I've, I've not. That's it's that kind of like here, ghostly symbolism that I have mm. the whole film. Yeah, and even the, the movie opens with a another extended sort of interlude. It opens with one of this dance performance where you've got two women with their eyes closed running around a stage full of chairs, and there's a man in a panic who has to push the chairs out of the way, and the chairs are black. There's this real sort of vacant, empty feeling to the set, and it's a great sort of setup for yeah. the themes that you're about to engage with. But it's also fucking funny as well. Like he is not above toilet humor. Like that scene that I described. Do you know where he goes into the room while Alicia's in the shower? Yeah. He leaves, and Alicia's panicking, oh, yeah. and it just lingers on the doorway. And a receptionist comes out. Classic Amadova sits down, rings her friend, and said, "What? Yeah, I've just done an elephant-sized shit." <laughs> <laughs> and just cuts after that. It's like just completely yeah. cuts straight out of it. And and then the final thing about him is that although it's really overblown and really um, maximalist, I think you know. And I like this term. Maximalist. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I mean, it's probably really maximalist. <laughs> I want you to maximalize the shit out of it. Harry Weinstein. It's definitely melodrama, um, but good it, melodrama though. Yeah, but it's from a script point of view. There's not a single word wasted. Mm. He cuts in and out of films like almost remorselessly. In and out of scenes remorselessly. You you watch it and every line does a job, and then you're out and you're into the next scene. And it, it there's like there's no fat on it, even though it's what like almost two hours, two hours long. And that as a kind of set of rules to make a film by really sort of chimes with me. And him as a whole, encapsulated in that one film, I think, is the reason why he's. On my top ten. Here, here to Pedro Almodovar. Yeah. Cheers, he's, everyone. He's kind of not that fashionable <laughs> anymore. I think. I mean, I, I, I don't know what um, his new film Julieta is going to be like because mm. that's not released yet. Well, but, I, um, I think like every every person who's not just in film but any any branch of art or whatever, like you have your peak. I read a thing once. It was about Robert De Niro, and they said every artist, no matter how long they last, has a period of about ten years. Truly, mm, and gross. that's where they make their impact. So, like De Niro's probably seventy-three with Mean Streets, all the way through to King of Comedy in eighty-three, mm. and he may have done good stuff after, like he did Goodfellas and stuff. But that's the time he'll be remembered for everything he did in that time. Mm. And so, Almodovar's probably it's... had his. He might still do great masterpieces. Like Kurosawa was what in his seventies or eighties, and mm, his last film was Ram, mm. and it was you know, this masterpiece. So he might still do great films, Juliet might be incredible, but yeah. he's, he's made his mark. It felt it? like he, he kind of matched up with the zeitgeist at that point, I think. And um, oh, what a wanky thing to say. I think like he was... He was <laughs> He was. It was working for him back then, wasn't yeah. it? And well, everything. But there's always a slice of any, any great piece. There's a, an element of luck. Just everything mm-hmm. happened, especially in film. I imagine being so collaborative. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a job. It's. It's like just everything needs to be just right, and a little yeah, bit of yeah. blessing from the gods. Or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. The gods of who are the gods of film? Spielberg's one of them. Oh, somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's there. Larry. <laughs> He comes in occasionally. <laughs> so let's let's take 
a brilliant Spanish melodrama yeah. and move to oh. a god awful British melodrama with your bottom choice this week, Separate Lives. Yeah, so and I, I should say again that I bear this film no particular malice above other bad films. It's just in terms of boring and wasted opportunity, it really strikes. Well, set it, it, ta- up. it takes the biscuit. Set it up, tell us about it. It's just, ugh. Uh, you've got Tom Wilkinson, who is inexplicably married to Emma Watson. Emily Watson. Emily, Emily Watson. Watson. Not Hermione <laughs> Great. I always get those two. Emma, so Emma, Emma Watson. Emily Watson is, is the... Yeah, uh, no, that would be inexplicable. Yeah. That's really his <laughs> daughter. Uh, Emily Watson, sorry, beg your pardon. And they live this uh, life that's split between their house in the city and a cottage in Bedfordshire. Uh, Emily is, and I didn't watch it in preparation for this, so you're probably better. She's basically a housewife. She doesn't do anything. She's a housewife, and she gets. And he's an incredibly wealthy solicitor, so they're kind of, you know, like she she's reduced to that housewife role by choice because it's, you know, the film is. And why wouldn't you want to do? But also, she's set. It's set in 2005, and it might as well be set in 1930. But anyway, let's carry on. Yeah, and she, and you have to really correct me if I'm wrong because it clearly wasn't the plot that offended me. I think she... There's overtones of her having an affair with the local cad. Uh, overtones? She has full-on fucking... Full on with fucking Rupert fucking Everett. Rupert Everett, the, uh, you know, the heartthrob of heartthrobs, of course. What a great bit of casting. Who, who looks like Lurch the entire film. He's, He's got this one expression. way around, doesn't he? And he, he just... <laughs> Terribly sorry, I didn't mean to upset you about my fucking wife. I don't mind Rupert Everett, but like, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, then their cleaner's husband gets killed in a hit and run, and a um, policeman comes to investigate it. I don't care. I really don't care. And it, there's, a, there's a seminal moment where she's cutting some sort of salad up on a jaunty, massive 90s this plate. the plate you talked about, Sash. It's the, it's the only bit I enjoy. Everybody talks about that plate. It's ridiculous. And then she smashes it. And that's like the most interesting part. But it, is, got... it is the most... It's such a boring, boring movie. So I've yeah. just watched it this afternoon. So what I think I'd say about it is that there's an interesting idea in there. So basically what happens is, is it turns out that the, the guy was killed... Everyone suspects it's the caddish Rupert Everett who knocked down this cyclist. In actual fact, it was Emily Watson, Tom Wilkinson's wife, because she's been having an affair with him and she was driving in his car and knocked down the guy. Mm-hmm. And then Tom Wilkinson, who said who had been to see, think, uh, what's his job, Rupert Everett, to say, you need to turn yourself in, then finds out that he's implicated in these things as well because his wife is. And then it's his career, because obviously, as a solicitor from a mm-hmm. top firm, if his wife goes down, what does that say about him? And Then that's quite an interesting thing about all these people and they've all got their, their elements of, like... Um, their separate... Lies. Separate lies. Oh, oh God. But like, then, <laughs> oh, Sasha, sorry. There's like, we were, we were talking about, we were talking about a film called A Separation by Afghan Vasadi. Yeah, which uh, was one of the downsides of me not having internet on holiday. Yeah. I originally put this down as A Separation. Which is incredibly well regarded. Incredibly good film. But that film is similarly about uh, a horrible event, and then you see of a woman basically um, miscarrying and miscarrying her child. And all the things that happened around it, and then all the things that everyone led to their decisions to that horrible event, and everyone gets fair judgment, and like, oh, they're good, but they're bad, and it's really well balanced. Mm. But this film, the problem is, A, they're all terrible people, because by the end, it has a nice, kind of quite sweet, happy ending of sorts. Be like, sorry, someone murdered someone else. Someone committed manslaughter, and no one's going to task with And the other thing is, they're all so fucking wealthy. Yeah, and they're also like they're so entitled. I just don't care about any of them. Like, yeah, I mean, so why did I pick this? I think it's. Um, I mean, <laughs> why it, do you? Julian Fellows directed it. Yeah, I mean, wrote right, and directed right, it. Right, yeah. So this interestingly touches um, upon this weird thing that I had to deal with when I went to Bristol, where we went, which was quite a posh uni. Right, there's quite a few 
people there with a lot of money who come from very privileged backgrounds. Yeah. Um, Oxbridge Rejects is how yeah, Bristol yeah. is. Yes, yeah, so I used to like liken it to the drip tray under the uh, <laughs> under the Oxbridge tap. Under the shabbly yeah. that was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, well, I don't know how that wine that comes out of a tap is that classy. Is no, no, that, yeah, that's right <laughs> up a web of spoons. Um, but uh, it's... So I had to... I, I had to check myself because I was a snob, but a reverse An snob. An inverse snob. Yeah, yeah, so reverse snobbery. And loads of people who went to Eton, had shitloads of money, enormous lovely houses, were gorgeous, generous, beautiful people who I met. And it was me that was the problem. And I have to be very careful when I sort of talk about English films, British films in this vein, that I don't come across as reverse snobbery. And why this one particularly offended me, though, was that it is so unaware of what the rest of the country yeah. is like. It's like a like, fucking bubble. Yes, I, I'm all for films where characters are rich, they have comfortable lives and all that stuff. They but can have get, problems as well, can't they? Yeah, but you get the feeling that this film about people living in a bubble was itself made in a bubble yeah. by people like Julian Fellows at this time when there was all this lottery money sloshing around. Um, I think it's a DNA film, um, which had a lottery grant at the time to make lots of films. And it just feels like it was made with a, you know, a lack of awareness of... And I'm not saying that you have to have... Every film has to be no, a sort of like, grim kitchen sink But there's drama, an element of comfort it's, about it that's actually nauseating. Yeah. It's like Downton Abbey. Yeah. That's, your, that's the thing. Your Downton description Abbey. of Downton Abbey earlier was fucking brilliant, of like the, the peak of drama in a Downton <laughs> episode. What was it? Again? <laughs> so one of the many storylines of Downton Abbey consisted of... This was in one whole episode. There were two female characters, the head maid and the, the, the cook. Mm. And basically, the story consisted of this, that the maid came this to the This is like a B story compared to Yeah, B it was story, one of the yeah. subplots, yeah. but it was, um, oh, I've, I found a lump. Oh, well, you better go to the doctor. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit worried. She goes away, other stuff happens, comes back. I uh, went to the doctor. Oh, and? Yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> and that, that is it. And that and is also separate lies in a fucking it, it is. And it's really interesting because I've had, not arguments, but this is a strong, <laughs> strong debate about Downton Abbey because lots of people love it. And if you criticise it, they defend it and say, oh, it looks at this and that and that. But if you're not criticising it, if you just say, what do you like? They go, oh, it's cosy. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that's the thing about Separate Lies is it, it's probably one of the most polite films so I've fucking ever watched. And I tried to think like of good examples of films that look at you know apparently happy wonderful little bubble worlds and the good ones are the films that kind of rip it away and show yeah. the like Blue Velvet I mean, Hot Fuzz has more to say about even, this kind of world even like Brief Encounter so we talked about like Brief Encounter mm. is a film about the comfort of married life and actually the boredom and the tedium of that it was made 60 years before this maybe mm. or 70 but like and but bubbles with sexual energy and tension yeah, uh... and, and romance even though they do nothing in that movie they don't even kiss or hold hands do yeah, they? they go for tea a lot they go for tea a lot and they watch a film next week in the cinema yeah. but it's just it just it's just charged with sexual energy and like yeah, potential I, mean, and I think you know Downton Abbey is a soap opera basically yeah. uh, just a very well made soap opera um, and Julian Fellows is an excellent writer Gosford Park is amazing I've not seen Gosford Park I hear it's very good um, did he get the Oscar he won, won, won an Oscar, Oscar. Yeah. yeah and I, I and as well, you know, there's a whole debate that I don't know what side I land on about whether you should be able to sympathise with a character. And um, these characters in Separate Lives are all deeply unsympathetic. I don't think it's and about you, whether you sympathise. Whether it's you about invest in them whether or they're, Whether them they're or... intriguing or interesting. Yeah. I, think, I, I think it's yeah. enough to just understand. Look, Richard III is like, 
th- that play starts with him coming on going, Hi, I'm Richard III, uh, I hate everyone, and I'm going to kill everyone to become king. <laughs> um, but you kind of go with it because you understand what he wants. Like, as, as long as you know what their goal is, I think it's enough. Characters don't need to be likeable, they don't need to be anything like this. But the, the characters in this, I'm just like... You're also asked to sympathise with very selfish people. They've got the, the, the self-awareness thing, I think, is difficult. There's a bit where uh, Emily Watson's character, essentially, uh, she, she essentially just falls out of love with, with um, Tom Wilkinson's character, and the affair actually becomes in a relationship. And that's mm. very interesting. What you mm. think is this kind of, like, fling becomes something real. But she's no awareness of that, and no sense of that being projected. It's just like I want this, and I'm having it. And like, yeah. because like you're still seeing him. Yes, yes, I am. And just like, well, there's no like, oh, you're just yeah, ghastly I, I people. Think, ghastly think... people. <laughs> They're all awful, ghastly cunts. And they get every one of them. I think that the reason it it, it it kind of struck me as a film that should go on my bottom ten was that you know you you choices that filmmakers make are evident in the final film, mm. and clearly the choices that were made in the making of that film were made by people who was some way removed from any sort of normal relatable life or who thought that that kind of drama was relevant because it happens in their life mm. what that says about them I think that's the one puts me off yeah. even with my self-awareness of being a reverse snob I think in this particular case it's um, it's deserved um, but it was very hard to put it down because there are some redeeming qualities and there's lots of great performance it's a great cast it. it's just but still it just kind of like what they could have made instead I, I, of that yeah. the mind boggles I think it also says something about like film like obviously your your gut feeling isn't maybe always uh, thought out or rational but like the, the detective in it who's trying to solve the David Harewood case mm. yeah he, he appears and yeah it's David Harewood who uh, for those who don't know is black and normally one that of, would one not of, even one of three black people in the film the other two uh, one of them is in the background, out of focus. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Yeah. I genuinely said that. I was like, "It's very white this film." And so I was like, "Oh no, there's a black person. It's fine." Yeah. But, but like the thing, like obviously there are issues about representation and yeah. too much white, and, and that's fine. But it just—I think it says something about this film that he appears, David Harewood, and I went, "Ah, yes." Um, a black person in a positive role. Yeah. Like, if, if it was a good film, I probably would notice. Yeah. But, like, yeah, someone... I, I read a review about, you know, that TV show Luther, and they were saying Luther is actually a bit radical in that you've got a black character who's actually not really that good. Normally, yeah. they're desperate to cast black people as lawyers or judges or doctors and show, oh, yes, they're, they're as good as white people. Yeah. Mm. Um, whereas Luther is, like... Bit of he's a fucked messed up, up individual. Yeah, 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 he's a bit I mean, crazy. That was but, one of the, the the choices that I was kind of hinting towards as well. Yeah, I mean, although I, I was reading some synopses on the way over here, they they do reference that the characters that doesn't Emily have a line where she says, "Oh, how do you find it working here in Buckinghamshire?" You know, oh yeah, and he, goes, and he says, "Oh, I was born here." Yeah, <laughs> which I think is is nice. It, it does have well, a tiny little moment. You also like that. say he's a great writer. There's some absolutely fucking terrible dialogue in it. One of the lines mm. is she's driving this big, um, big what do you call it, a Land Rover, very fast, and she goes, "Oh, it's very power making, isn't it?" Like, <laughs> do you mean empowering? <laughs> no, power making. Power making. It was like. You, you're speaking like someone who's just learnt English for the first time. <laughs> it's a very power make my country, we have no car. <laughs> That's probably uh, grammatically very correct. And he probably um, <laughs> uses that version of power, that definition of it. Um, I mean, if Julian Fallows wants to come on his programme and defend this 
fucking boring film. I paid for, <laughs> I paid to rent this fucking movie. Wow, I, you guys have taken against it a lot more than I, oh, I, mean, I, I have. I have kind of like a I, passing I, I, disregard. I, I was really it. excited because I was like, I love, I love it when, whether good or bad, we get a film I've never heard of. Yeah. Like, brilliant, something complete. I know nothing about it. And then I watched it. I mean, the only redeeming quality is it's only about 80 minutes long. 89 80, minutes. 89 yeah. It doesn't even make the 90 minutes, which is a sign of a bad movie if you can't make the 90 minute mark. Oh, I don't know. There are good films uh, for that under general, 90 minutes. A general rule of thumb. And I think too many films are too long, actually. Yeah, but so that's, I quite that's, like it when something... Anything, is... anything above two hours and below 90 minutes, I feel <laughs> like you're in a kind of... You're on a date. You're, it's not a given it's going to be bad, but it's like... It's not like a film starring Eddie Izzard. Unfortunately, that is the sign of a bad <laughs> oh film. Oh, my God. That is the sign of a bad film. I love Eddie Izzard, but that is the sign yeah. of a bad film. Yeah, an episode of Question Time starring Eddie Izzard is going to be bad as well. He is was, he on Question Time? He was, yeah, in the lead-up to... He wants sorry, to be the mayor oh, of yeah. London. Sorry, hang on. I, when you said Question Time, I just went Question of Sport in my head. Oh, right. I was <laughs> like... I don't know who's a big sports fan. Can I, I, I know you want to, to, to wrap up, but I Go just on. wanted to mention one film from my Notable Nine. Go on, and you can have one of your Notable Nine. It's, to make um, up for the fact you've slipped in the past for no reason I, other than... I and, mean, so and Calvary, just so you can be I did a it dip. in that, that show. <laughs> that was fun. That was supposed to be really fun. <laughs> uh, I've, been, I've been sort of sitting on that egg for years. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to love that. Um, <laughs> What's the Notable um, film? Is I Wish, which is a Japanese film that came out maybe three, four years ago. Yeah. Which um, just was squeezed out of my top ten, and it does that surprise thing that earns most of those films a place on my top ten. But it's incredibly moving out of nowhere, and it's about two kids who hear that if you make a wish while two Japanese bullet trains are passing each other, your wish will come true. So them and a band of their really cute Japanese friends go on this adventure, modern day Japan, There's n- they don't get into any trouble or any danger or anything, and they go and yell their wishes at a passing train, and it's brilliant. I've, uh, I've it's heard It's an absolute delight. I've heard it's a great love. And I, like, when the moment happens, I was just caught completely with this weird emotional sort of outpouring where I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that, like what's you just sort of like for those of you, for those you who don't know what's happening yeah. this is how Ben cries yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds like water coming out of a drain yeah it's, it's just like this this sudden and it might not happen for you guys but for me it was like this is that's what cinema is supposed to do just completely lift you and take you and that's what that did and it's about the train well I will go away and watch that and I will watch Elephant as well like they, they sound yeah, Elephant's on, on I've never YouTube. even Actually, um, you can watch that there. I'll uh, I will go away and and not watch them just to annoy you. Just really? for, just for balance. And yeah, I mean, bring balance. Them on bottom list. Yeah, I yeah it it but, and it's shit. Yeah, I've, I've set a precedent there. I'm sorry for being a dick via list. Very <laughs> 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 well, uh, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the date. Now we know. I was going to say what you're up to next. We obviously know the pass. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's coming out. It's too. coming out in um, in December in UK cinemas. Um, and we are applying to festivals and we'll see what happens but it's starring Russell Tovey based on uh, written by John Donnelly based on his play produced by Duncan Kenworthy um, who made Love Actually and Four Weddings and and yeah we made it for very little money in complete secret and we're really pleased with it it's come out very nice well, so I'm, please go and see it I will be there on opening first weekend yeah buy lots of tickets with a large foam finger like yeah, they have at the no, football please games. do yes. Woo! Film! It just says in it in big capital letters. Yeah. yeah, it's about a secretly gay footballer and it's um, 86 minutes long and it. Um, oh, it must be shit there. <laughs> 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 it was a rule it, of thumb! <laughs> 
Yeah, in, in three, it's, um, yeah, I, I won't tell you anything more. I don't want to There's a trailer coming out in the next month or so, which we're also, very pleased with. As well. and, and are you, are you, like, presumably you want to make a second film? Or yeah, or, I mean, I, I, this is my first film, and I didn't have an agent before it, but I've got an agent now, so and you're so we're sort of shopping me around, but I'm a complete unknown. Like some sort of streetwalker. Well, Tristan writes meets, plays, yeah. so the next hit of his, if you could adapt into a film. Yeah. Do. I, the, my, I don't know if you heard this, but my plays are quite good. <laughs> <laughs> said Michael Billington <laughs> never quite good um, well, well thank you for having me I've really enjoyed it actually I was pretty nervous yay. but if they ask you to come on don't be nervous it's really, really don't be nervous it's really relaxed it's like, so I, chilled out but actually I forget I like, think the it's because we're not wearing clothes I think that's what most people are <laughs> it's like a sauna yeah I'm stuck to this chair I, 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 d- I do remember the first couple of episodes I, I was quite nervous but actually just to chat you don't, with, you don't with, need the, to. with the lads. You're hanging out with lads. Lads, lads. on set, mise on set. Nouvelle fog. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Ben. Um, and it just uh, behooves me to thank you for listening to Spoilers This Week. If you want to email us, you can get in touch at uh, spoilersthepodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at podcast spoilers. My name is Tristan. My name is Sasha. Thanks very much. Bye bye. I need to be got to say goodbye. Bye. <laughs>